This podcast contains explicit language and other content some listeners may find disturbing. The Scandal Sheet Podcast presents 9-11 Recollections Part 1, The World Trade Center September 11, 2001 8.56 AM Eastern Time The North Tower a.m. Eastern Time. The South Tower. This is another jet gun. Another jet gun. Holy fuck! Oh my god! Oh my god! Jesus fucking Christ! And today I am joined by two scandal sheet favorites. Listeners will remember these New Yorkers from a recent lighthearted episode that covered the nation's hot dog eating contest and competitive eating in general. And that was a very popular episode, so we definitely wanted to invite them back. Although today's episode is, of course, much more somber. Without further ado, here they are again, Jason from Long Island and Rob from the Upper East Side. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you, Good to be here. Uh, you guys uh, deliberately have not really told me the details of your story, so it's a surprise to me, so I can ask questions spontaneously. It'll be a surprise to our audience, but I mean, as you suggested, Jason, you want to go first? I mean, what, what was going on uh, on the morning of September 11th, 2001 for you? Um, you know, the, the first thing that just jumps out at me, and, and, and you know, it's so, it, it, it was just such a beautiful day. Um, you know, right, you know, today is uh, September 6th, and as we were talking, it's, it's 90, 90-something degrees here in New York City, but it, it was just... You know, the first thing was just it was just such an absolutely beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. It was you know 80 degrees. And, you know, that's that's the first thing that I remember. And um, at the time I was working, well, you know, I, I was working in, in Jersey City and, you know, to, for a golf reference, uh, my building faced uh, across the Hudson River, you know, directly pin high uh, to the World Trade Center. And okay, so you're like a mile away, right? That's how wide the Hudson River is. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah, a mile, maybe maybe a mile and a half. Yeah, but no, that's 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 fairly accurate. But that's pretty close. I mean, when you stand in Brooklyn and you look over, that's also a mile of the East River, and I'm like, wow, I can see everything. So, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's really, you know, and you know, with the with the sky, you know, with the building that I was working at, I and mean, with the, with the big, you know, the windows, it was really kind of like. It was surreal watching it from uh, essentially like, you know, just a big, you know, a movie screen, um, you know, and, and what, what I remember is um, at the time, I mean, what I was known for at my job, which was financial related, uh, was being, you know, my, my nickname was the news hawk, um, because when something would come across what you literally used to just be a scrolling news story, it was just scrolling events. Uh, I was on a trading floor of about 300, I'd say about 350 people. And I was the first one to pick the news off of the news tape. 
so I, I literally screamed out because that's was part of the job to literally just scream stuff out across a room. Uh, I screamed. I said, "Hey guys, uh, it's just it says a plane just you know hit the World Trade Center." So I went across, you know, from the trading room across, you know, into the conference room that looked out over the skyline of uh, of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I could see smoke coming out of the top of uh, the World Trade Center. I always got confused between one World Trade or two World Trade. And because the first plane hit from north to south, it didn't look like very much uh, to me uh, because I didn't see the gaping hole that you would have seen if, you know, you were either looking at it from north or south. So, you know, my first instinct was you know, my first thought was you know, maybe it was just a small plane. You know, it doesn't. And that that's what we heard in D.C. We heard it was a Cessna, you know, and it was just like one of the totally accidental kind of a thing. And so it didn't seem that serious until then when you have a second plane, all of a sudden everybody's like, OK, well, that's can't be a coincidence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it's it's it's. um, You know, you you. You never thought that. I mean, you know, the, the the World Trade Center was attacked once before. Right. In the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was in 93 or 90. I think it was in 93. Um, but that was guys uh, taking a truck into the garage filled with explosives. It was a very different tactic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and for as crazy as it was, I just I don't really remember putting much. I mean, it sounds sad to say, but it was like it, it wasn't it didn't have the impact. It, it didn't have uh, and maybe and again, this sounds terrible. It's it's like it's kind of like nowadays if there's a school shooting, the first, you know, people just want to know what, you know, what the death count was or, you know, how many people died. And, you know, if if if, if only 10 people died in this shooting, you know, is it more of a national tragedy if you know, 50 or 60 people passed away. And I, I, and it's kind of crazy, but that's the sad mentality. Um, but for whatever reason, maybe it was just I was in college that I didn't, you know, I, it didn't really register. Um, but, you know, in, in any event, um, so people in the building were, you know, we were watching it um, and contemplating, you know, should we leave? We were in Jersey. Um you know, it's it's not much of a threat, but and keep in mind if if you're looking if if you're looking uh, across the uh, Hudson River, Newark Airport was directly to my right, and that's where uh, that's where the second plane came from, uh, and I watched it. I watched the plane. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Just from Newark Airport. Wow. So out of my yeah, so out of my peripheral vision, I saw the plane. And I followed it and watched it. And, you know, again, the trading desk was behind me. The trading floor, you had to go through like a, an elevator corridor. You know, uh, the, there was the conference room. You had the elevator corridor and then you had the trading room. And I was in the conference room. And like most trading desks, they have multiple televisions on. So what I remember is watching the plane hit and the screams coming from the trading desk behind me. Um, we're, we're talking about the second plane hitting the South Tower at 903. Is that correct? 
that's okay. that's correct. So um, what I remember is watching the plane hit and the screams from the you know from the trading room behind me. Um, and when I went back to the trading room, some I just also remember somebody saying, hey, "Listen, don't even consider staying in the building any morning uh, anymore." Um, and this is a you know, family friendly show, but you know, saying, "I want everybody out of the effing building." right now and what i remember is how tall was your building uh, i would say maybe i think it was like 30 flights and we were on the 20 20th floor so we walked down the stairwell to get out mm, um right. and i remember the door i remember the door opening a fire door opening and i remember two things one is the the bright sunlight hitting me on the face and I remember because on those 20 steps on the way down, what the thoughts that were going through my head, knowing that this was an attack and having my brother and my cousins and my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time um, in the city, I remember and it, was, it was the overall anger. And I, I tell people this all the time. If there was somebody, when I hit, when I opened that door, if there was a representative, let's, you know, from, let's just say from the Marines, that was ready to hand me, you know, an M16 rifle and say, go get some. I, I probably would have enlisted at that very moment uh, because it was not just an attack on New York City. It was an attack on, you know, my industry. It was attack on our country. And um, I just remember this overwhelming you know, just this, this, this anger. And again, yeah, if somebody would have handed me a rifle and said, or sign here, you know, to get some, um, you know, I, I probably would have. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to jump around, you know, too much. I mean, there's just, there's, there's so many, there's so many emotions, but, you know, I, I think everything from, you know, first of all, cell phones were completely out. Uh, there was no communications at all. You couldn't call your loved ones. Um, the only thing that were working were pay phones and landlines. Uh, not even, um, you know, not even cordless phones at your house. So there was really no way to get in touch with anybody. A lot of the cells, uh, a lot of the cell towers were on top of, of, of the World Trade Center. Um, but mm. really, what? I, so for the most part. You know, I just stood on the waterfront watching everything play out. Um, and I think the, you know, we got our news from a, there, were, there was a construction crew and they just had transistor radios, which, you know, they, the, the big radio station in New York is 1010 wins. Um, and, and, you know, we, everybody was just huddling around this one construction worker with a transistor radio. And that's where we were getting our news from. And, you know, nobody knew if, if they, you know, how many more planes or if the, if the Empire State Building was going to be hit or, you know, it was just, it was just pure uh, chaos. But, you know, people crying. Um, um, and, you know, I, I know I'm skipping around a lot, but I ultimately remember when the when the first tower fell and in my mind in my mind i thought that 
you know, okay, the planes hit, the fire department will get up there, they'll put it out, and we'll rebuild. So it just in, in, in a million years, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's a New York thing, you know, you or the, you know, I don't want to say toughness, but you know, we we got hit. But I thought that we would never go down, and it's 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 kind of like and uh, there were one of the thoughts that came into my head. So when the tower went down, I actually physically went down to like one knee um, because all the energy was just zapped out of me, and I and I, I I couldn't believe how surreal it was. But the the line from Raging Bull came <laughs> to my mind because. It's the scene where De Niro just gets, you know, beaten to chopped meat by Sugar Ray Robinson. But he walks over to Sugar Ray and he says, you know, you never got me down, Ray. You, you never got me down. And I thought that what happened would be very much like that. But but when when the tower went down... Um, yeah, no, it, it, it zapped all my energy and I, I literally went went down to one knee. Um and then um not too long afterwards words, uh we heard the you know, the, the engine of an F I don't I don't know my airplanes, but you know, we, we there was I think it was an F fourteen uh flying over. And I remember I remember it's in to this just day, a little bit late, late huh <laughs> well that's very that's 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 very funny because yeah. I remember punching my fist in the air until this day I don't know if it was a combination of all right, somebody finally has our back, and where the f were you um and I think it was I think it was a combination of both. Well, there was, uh, ironically, there was a national um, war games test being conducted on, and I assume somebody must have known this, which is why they may have chosen this day, but there was a national war games test about terrorists taking over, air, hijacking planes. And so the Air Force was involved, the FAA was involved, everybody was involved, and that was part of the confusion because this was all happening the, the the test that they were uh, wargaming on was actually more expansive. It was like taking over the whole country. So when this happened, everybody was like, um, you know, this is part of the test, right? And then it's like, and everybody's like, no, no, this is not part of the test. <laughs> but it was hard to convince people because it was just such a, it seemed like a coincidence. Obviously, it couldn't have been a coincidence, but it did seem like it. To them, I mean, and this is in the 9-11 Commission report, too. And that's why it took a long time for actual, I mean, real jets were being scrambled to play war games. And then, okay, well, where's the jets that we need to actually go after these planes that we can see are off track? So a lot of confusion. Slowed things down. And then, of course, if you're talking about, okay, going from the Trenton Airport just over the river... I don't think there'd be any time to scramble planes. No, no. And then I was, you know, I, I was, I was stuck in, uh, I was stuck in Jersey because they had closed all the tunnels and in, in every way into. Uh, so I just, I sat there. I had a friend, who, a colleague of mine, who let me, you know, sleep over his place. And but just for the most part, you know, we just spent that 
that beautiful day, you know, from from day turned to dusk to, to night, you know, just watching this, you know, this smoldering pile that used to be, you know, such a such a big part of New York City and you couldn't even wrap your head around, you know, how many people had passed and how many survivors they, you know, would be able to, you know, to pull out. And then, um, yeah, no, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll go into it, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit later about, you know, just, I'd like to try to talk about, you know, some of the beautiful things that came out of it, but, um, and there were, um, as crazy as that sounds, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over to, to, uh, to Rob, uh, for now. Brother Rob. Yeah. Um, by the way, just going back a little bit, um, I actually worked in World Trade Number 2, uh, I think for a little bit over a year when I first got out of college. Was that the South Tower? Was Number 2 the South? I forget the names. Okay. So that was just as high as Number 1, like 110 floors or something like that? Yeah. And um, Was that scary as hell, Going like actually going there every day? No, because this was even before what you had spoken about before, where there was the bombing in the in the basement. Okay, so, so this is the eighties or something like that, or wait. it was just kind of one of those things where you, you, you took the view in, you took the the fact that it was this mecca where when people come or came to New York and they made their itinerary, they would say, well, you know, all right, bump, 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 World Trade Center, bump, bump, bump. And I remember a few times in the summer, my parents, our parents, had um, <laughs> visited me because they used there's to do... You wanna, is there something you want to tell me finally? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know, I know that your mommy's favorite, but I didn't know the real <laughs> And why? But no, but there, there used to be lunch hour. There used to be bands that would play in between the two buildings. And it was really, it was, a, it was a great place to work. And I remember one of the things which will come into play when we talk about it in a little bit is that the buildings were actually built to have a little bit of sway uh, because of, you know, hurricane level weather, wind or weather or, or storms. So that, so they were built to actually sway a little bit. And it, it, I always, it was always a little freaky how when I'd go to the men's room, um, when you look into the toilet, you would see the water just ever so slightly moving back and forth because that's how the buildings were, were designed. That's weird. Let me, let me just interrupt real quick. So I, first time I went to New York City was in 1990 uh, with my then wife. And then we, we had dinner in the Windows on Top of the World restaurant. And like you say, you know, we're, so we had like, you know, arranged in advance. We had a window seat and stuff like that. But you could see like you just the, the, the frames of the window and you could look out at the skyline and you could see everything going. Yeah. And it was like, we're swaying. We are swaying. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I, I wanted to mention that just to give it that extra layer of personal connection, which I think is also, you know, when when one of the interesting things about September 11th is that I don't think it's just a New York event. 
event or tragedy or happenstance or what, what will you, um, you could talk to anybody from anywhere in the entire world and they have a story around it. However, that, that stated, I, I think, and I, and I endorse and I agree with getting two guys who were here in New York, because for as, as personal it is to some people who were around, literally around the world, on the other side of the world that day, for two people who were literally here, um, it just adds that extra, it, 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 that extra layer of, like I said before, personal um, connection to it. That when my wife and I would walk downtown and we wanted to go to a certain area, we would always look for the world trade. We would look for the Twin Towers and then use that as our guide to, all right, we're going in the right direction. All right, we're not. All right, we need to, you know, that that was the. That was the marker. No, right. I mean, the World Trade Center and then and then uh, the Empire State Building in Midtown. It's like, okay, now I know where I am because of those two right. things. And once you pass <laughs> the Empire State Building, yeah, once you pass the Empire State Building, then it was the Twin Towers. Right. Again, you know, not confusing it. A lot of times people say the World Trade Center, but we're even though the entire area was was decimated uh, for the purpose of this conversation, we're talking about the the, the Twin Towers because both were. Well, number um, seven went down too. A later in the day, I think at around five o'clock. Yeah. Um, so, it, like, like they said, the weather was perfect, just a perfect day out. And at the time, I was working at the New York Times, which was on Forty Third between Eighth uh, and Broadway. And okay. I'm walking, and again, I and and something else that I think that we should keep in mind is this was what are we coming up on twenty two years. Is that what it did 22 years ago? Is that how long? Into 23? Next week, yeah. Yeah. Keep in mind that the technology was not what it was. So, no. I live 10 blocks away and I'm walking to the, I'm walking to the New York Times as I did every morning and my, my cell phone rings. And keep in mind, my cell phone then is not the cell phone that we all have now. So the smartphone. Star, it's, but, just, it's probably a No, this, this thing didn't come out until 2007. So six years later. Terrible connection. Yeah. And, my, and my mother calls and she says, are you okay? I said, yeah, sure. What are you talking about? She said, well, I know that you have a client in the World Trade Center. And I did uh, on the 90th floor, I think. Oh, he's amazed by the view when I used to go up there and, and visit. Um, so she was calling to see that I was okay. And she said, well, a plane crashed into the World Trade Center, to the Twin Towers. And like Face said, I think everybody to an extent, thought it was just, it was a small, like one of those JFK Jr. planes. That, that, right, that, right. And, and if, Bad if, pilot, heart attack, something. Now, right? yeah. But if it were now, we would all, you know, be able to quickly look at our phones and see exactly what's going on. But when I got in and I went through, uh, there was a main entrance to the New York Times and Times Square, but there was also a back entrance. So I went through there and there were people standing around crying and looking very frantic and panicked, and I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't possibly fathom um, to the, the degree to which it had happened. And I sat at my desk, which was out on the floor. We didn't have offices. And we all at that time put, went to our laptops, because even surprisingly, I guess, the New York Times didn't have TVs on the, on the, on the floor, so we'd go. Really? That's weird, even in 2001. Yeah, yeah, and and but it wasn't at that point. Nobody really knew what was going on until somebody on the floor yelled out, 
they just hit world trade number two. And then everybody was like, wait, what? What? That, that's, the, that's the second one, right? That's south. 903. First was 846, according to um, the 911 report. The, the important context here is mm-hmm. that there's a breaking news story right now. We mm-hmm. go online and we take a look and instantaneously through whatever social media or direct website through a news outlet, you're able to see everything that's going on. That wasn't the case then. And, there, you know, floors didn't have the Wi-Fi access that we do now. So I went onto my laptop and I took a look. And and just uh, let's just clarify. You weren't a newsroom person. No. You were a sales guy for the New York Times. Okay, you were on the business side. So uh, I, I imagine in the newsroom, they probably did have some TVs or something or whatever. They did. But, but okay. But, but again, and I think that's, that's you know, again, to, to talk about the overall time a period of time that we're in news is not readily available access to exactly what's going on at the moment is not available so there's a lot of people looking around going what's going on no the the internet was still sort of in its infancy the 1996 telecommunications act which basically privatized the internet you know that's only five years prior right and what (laughs) and what we did have at the time Cliff Clavin, is that uh, what we did have at the time was um, uh, because of what happened, because of where they hit so many of the uh, electrical uh, outlets and and, um, uh, uh, electrical companies were down there. So when they hit it, we had blackouts in the city. We had we had legit patches where we couldn't get through. Uh, so I couldn't call family and friends on my on my cell phone. Well, Jason said the cell phone towers for the city were on top of the World Trade Center. Right, right, exactly right. So, so if you take out the World Trade Center, you take out everybody's cell phone, basically. So it, it, yeah. it took everybody's cell phones. Yeah. So, so it, it was a time where the, the ensuing day was just chaos. It just absolute chaos. And my wife had called on the main number and she said, can you come home? Very upset. So I got back. And one of the other things that, that stands out for me on that day, again, as a New Yorker, we lived on 57th Street uh, between 8th and 9th. And we had a, a, a nice one bedroom with views of Central Park uh, looking north. Looking north. Right. Looking north. Right. And, Not south. Not south. And one of the things that stands out for me, that stands out for us, is the, the dichotomy of looking out at this beautiful day, perfect, not a cloud in the sky, north, and having the TV on right next to the window, and knowing that there's just a nightmare beyond comprehension going on south. So that for... Could you see the World Trade Center? You said... New York Times was what Forty Third Street, so you're like like right around Times Square or something. Yeah, there were too many there were too many big towers uh, in the like, way in the way blocking the view. Okay, to actually be, be able to see the twins. Okay, towers. okay. But I had later in that day, I think there was a, a morbid curiosity for so many people of what's going on, what's happening. Sure. So I got on my bike and I rode downtown and 
Um, first, I went west, and the the army, uh, the police, they stopped everybody. Face, what was it, around 23rd Street, maybe 14th Street, something like that? I'll probably say, yeah, 23rd Street. <laughs> yeah, they didn't let you go. So what I did was, and again, I was 22 years younger, so you know, even dumber than I am now. I rode east and then south. And what happened when I did that was they, the, 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 the troops that were there, they, it was bedlam. So they didn't, they didn't stop me. So there were even points where I saw like a group of cops. I saw a group of, of uh, military and I, you know, I wanted to check and I, and I said, you know, am I able to keep going? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I got pretty close. And then what happened was, is that, and I've done this bike ride around the city a, a thousand times, just almost, almost literally a thousand times, but the lights were out. And what happened before the lights went out was that as I was riding, dust was kicking up from my tires. I mean, I saw the dust and the lights went down and you, you literally, you couldn't see. And I was just like, I, I got scared. I got really, really scared. What and time I, of day is this? And I wanted to, uh, the day of. I know, but what like what hour of the day was it? You're saying you're saying the smoke blacked out the sun. Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm saying it was later in the day when after the sun went down. Oh, okay, okay. So there was no the only the only light came from the natural sunlight, and now it's dark. And I had to turn around and just try to get home. And it, at that point, it was it was almost impossible even to figure out what was north, what direction is north, because as you're trying to zigzag through these tanks and police cars and 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 papers and debris, I got turned around, not literally. And the streetlights were off because, like you said, the a lot of the electrical companies went down. Yeah, that was we we were we were dark. Okay, even just making it home. Um, was was terrifying and there there's no way and i remember riding up labbering on face no but i'm just thinking about you riding down to the world trade center the day of at night by yourself how yeah. dumb of you would do that i love yeah. you but that's just dumb remember a few minutes ago when i said dumb I don't remember that, but I'm telling you again because I didn't hear it. That was so stupid of you to do. Yeah. I'm like actually yeah. mad at you for riding down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was dumb. It was stupid. How, how far did you get? What street did really you get? Uh, I got pretty close. And, and the reason that I went was one, I just, I had to see for myself or try to see for myself what was going on. And two, I truly didn't believe that I would get as far as I did. I really just thought that people that that somebody would say you got to turn around the way that they did on the west side. So, um, yeah. And so that was so it, it, the the city was just, oh, what an awful time. But you know what I mean. You know, going back to you know, try to switch it up a little bit. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, uh, because you know, with things like this or with any tragedy, you try to you try to pull some good out of it. And um, you know, when you see Boston Red Sox fans, you know, saluting, you know, New York Yankee fans, you know, there's yeah. uh, you know, 
I thought, I mean, I'm, you know, we're, we're Met fans on, on, you know, for better or worse, but yeah. you know, that, that's the epitome of, you know, people putting aside their differences, you know, for, for, for the cause. And, and, you know, and very much like when, you know, we had the Boston bombing, you know, Yankee fans, you know, were saluting, you know, the Boston Red Sox fans, but, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. And I, again, I know I'm, I'm bouncing around, but, you know, people really, you know, when you're a kid and you take a field trip to a firehouse, you know, people didn't, I don't think people, at least I never really fully appreciated, you know, what firemen and, and, and our cousin, you know, our cousin Ronnie, who, who passed away from working, you know, at the, at the pile at ground zero, um, you know, can you tell uh, us more about that, Jason? Yeah. Can you tell yeah, us more sure. about your cousin? Yeah. So our, our cousin, Ronnie, uh, Ronald, Ronald Weintraub, and I, I will say his name. I know we try to keep away from, uh, from using names, but you know, his, his name should be, uh, his name should be mentioned. Uh, you know, it was funny because Ronnie, Ronnie always, Ronnie grew up, you know, out on Long Island and, you know, and when he got older and got married and had children, moved even further out uh, of to Long Island, and he would commute. You know, pretty much. I think, you know, he would drive an hour or so every day into the city, and mm. he wound up getting at the time was a great assignment. He was working Midtown South, and Midtown South is the precinct where usually you have to know somebody to get into Midtown South. It's got this prestige. Um, and at the time it was, you know, Giuliani had cleaned up the Times Square. It was the Disney, it was the Disneyfied or Disneyfication of Times Square. So it right. was really kind of like a cushy job. Uh, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the Times Square of, uh, you know, what was it? The midnight cowboy anymore, or, you know, the seediness. So the extent of the extent of the job was taking, you know, Ronnie would say, Oh, you know, I hate taking photos with all these tourists because they would want to take a picture with a New York city cop standing next to the cop car. And Ronnie would always joke around or the naked cowboy. And so, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the naked, the naked went from midnight cowboy to the naked cowboy. And it dirty, is tiny whities, yeah, right, right. And dirty and dirty elmos, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, different than the yeah, late eighties, yeah. yeah. Which I mean, that's a whole, you know. I mean, ugh, me and my friends buying fake ID and them accidentally spelling my friend Brian's name Brain uh, instead of Brian and not giving him his money back for his fake ID. So he was ever forever known as Brain. Because uh, that's what it said on his ID. Uh, but in any event, you know, Ronnie would always say, you know, oh, I hate the city. And, you know, if anything were to ever happen, like a terrorist attack, you know, I'm getting in the car and I'm just driving straight upstate. I'm going to have, you know, nothing to do with it. And, you know, oddly enough or you know, ironically enough, when September 11th happened, when push uh, came yeah. to shove, when push came to shove, you know, not only did you know Ronnie do, you know, what was totally expected of him, you know, like so many other people, you know, Ronnie assisted in the uh, in the search and rescue efforts uh, and worked the pile without any protective gear, and ultimately, you know, four years later, 
you know, passed away of bile duct cancer, which, you know, essentially, you know, it's you know, one of the rarest forms of cancer. And at least, you know, he was officially recognized as a, um, you know, as, as a 9-11, uh, you know, victim of 9-11. Um, a hero. He was, yeah. I mean, yes, he was a hero. And he, uh, he wasn't even given a mask. No, not, not no, even a mask. No, most of the people weren't. Most of the really? people weren't. Yeah, I mean that's wow. you know, till, till this day. I mean, and, and again, even you know, with all that smoke and everything, it just seemed like common sense. You'd be like, okay, I think I really need a mask with all of this toxic shit in the air. I <laughs> no, but I, but 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 uh, but again, to 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 you know, speaking to speaking directly to you know, you would think that firefighters when a building collapsed they would stop continuing up the flights of stairs uh, to rescue people. But that's, you know, that's what heroes do. Um, and I, I just, you know, it speaks to the character that, you know, if somebody could have pulled one person out, you know, just one person or save, you know, one of their, one of their own or pull, you know, one of their brothers or, or, or sisters out of, you know, the rubble, they did it selflessly you know selflessly um i really don't think that a lot of people thought about masks i mean with with all you know keep in mind when the world trade center was built how much asbestos and and everything else you know that wasn't up to code or that was a huge huge thing the asbestos abatement blah 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 it was going to cost like 10 billion dollars or something that was a huge thing yeah uh you know and just uh you know so yeah i mean in, in terms of that you know uh you know, just loss. I mean, I, I lost a fraternity brother whose uh, whose wife uh, was, I think, seven months pregnant. And again, I'll I'll, I'll mention his name, Brian Brian James Terenzi, um, and uh, you know, who worked at Cana Fitzgerald. And it's just um, you know, it's, it's just walking around the city in the days after and, and seeing all of these posters of you know family members looking for their loved ones and. And, you know, seeing all the faces and, you know, in the back of your mind, knowing that, uh, you know, most of these people were never going to come home. It was, uh, you know, it was truly humbling. And, and Rob, you, you, you said this to me um, to put things in perspective. And you've said it to me, you know, I don't know if it was weeks or months after. And, you know, I was. The papers? Yeah, the papers. <laughs> you know, I was you know, preoccupied about something stupid with work, you know, like everybody eventually bitches and moan about their job and everything. And, you know, you said to me something to the effect of, you know, Jay, what does it really matter? Like, you know, think of how important all of those papers were to all those people in the World Trade Center. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, trash blowing around in the wind. And I, I remember I remember that hit home. To me. Yeah, you would just you would bend, you know, you would you would see on the floor, you know, reams and reams of, of paper, you know, paper being reports and documents, and you know, you pick it up and there's an expense report, and then there's a um, you know a sales update uh, document, and it was so important that morning. It's just garbage on the floor now. Yeah. And, and I think the overall respect, I remember like when things kind of got back to normal, 
you know, I mean, things didn't get back to normal for a long time. You know what? Speaking of, you know, not getting back to, you know, things getting back to normal. It was funny because where we grew up, um, we grew up in Brooklyn, but then we moved to Queens. We moved to Howard Beach and Howard Beach is literally at the end of the airport. It's essentially at the end of the runway for JFK Airport. So, you know, for a, for a large portion of our lives, the Concord would wake us up on, you know, at nine, mm. nine 15, every Saturday morning, the windows would, sh- would shake and shatter. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, you know, seeing airplanes in the sky our whole lives, you know, it was just in a second nature. And then to not see when they ultimately shut down the airspace to look up, you know, for, I think maybe a week, they shut down the airspace over all airspace was maybe shut down for, I don't know if it was like for four or five days or a week. It was a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But to not, to not, to not see planes in the sky was so bizarre and surreal, but to see that first plane back in the sky, once they finally opened up the airspace, I'll never forget seeing that first airplane and thinking of an airplane as something else that used to just be a way of transportation to think of an airplane as a possible weapon or just to see, you know, the, hear the sound of an airplane for the first time after not seeing it, you know, that's that's something that you know completely freaked me out, and not just freaked you out, but it just it just put a it just put an airplane in a perspective that you never thought of an airplane before, or seeing an airplane just flying in the sky. And all the all the firehouses had flowers in front of them, and the people would come in and bring them food, and uh, the the police. Uh, stations as well, and everybody in New York was wearing uh, NYPD baseball caps, you know, FDNY t-shirts. I remember we, my wife and I were in Central Park, and we were on the Great Lawn just, you know, laying out, and not that much longer after a few weeks, Um, and a fire engine came in Central Park along the along the um, the roadway there at the time it was open the roads they were open to traffic they're not now and when the fire engine went by everybody on the Great Lawn had it be hundreds of people everybody stood up and started applauding it's it I, I can't tell you what I had for breakfast today but twenty two almost twenty two years ago I, I can so clearly see that everybody in the entire park. At once, just standing up and applauding. It was. It, it it speaks to you had said earlier there were beautiful things that came out of it. I would respectfully say that I think there were positive things or or life reaffirming things that came out of it or or beautiful things. Um, I guess. Um, well, let me ask you because on that subject, because uh, you know we're we're over an hour now, so I, we should probably s- steer towards uh, a conclusion. But as you bring that up, has I mean, it's been like you guys said, twenty two years, ha- or will be next week. As the city healed, and if it or, or can it ever really heal? Is this like getting? paralyzed from the waist down you're never really going to recover you just learn to accept it i mean what was the trajectory of i've got to accept this thing yeah face i'll i'll take that at first okay 
I think, and it's a, it's a great question. One I never thought about. And as I do right now, it almost, it almost pains me to say, it. Mm. but I think to a very large extent, the old expression, time heals all wounds. You never forget, especially for the people who were there at that time. Yeah. Cognizant. Yeah. Uh, to a large extent, they've, they've rebuilt the world trade center. Um, there's only one that to me is always incredibly, incredibly jarring when I, when I see one. Um, but I think to tourists, I think to people who come there, uh, I think to people who didn't experience it, it's more of a curiosity than anything else. Um, but I don't, but I think that, I think the city is healed from it. I really do. Uh, that's, that's a great thing. And that's a terrible thing. I, yeah. Uh, that's a, it, I, it's, it's a great, great question. And I, I don't, I, I don't think I could be any more, but in terms of the city, you know, you, it's not a, it's, it's a young person's city now. It's uh you're either extremely wealthy in Manhattan or you're a young, you're a young person, you know, living your best life. Um, and it was not that way in 2001. You're saying that like a middle-class person could still live there. Yeah. And keep in mind, there were a lot of people, you know, from all the boroughs that were in, you know, from, I mean, from everywhere, from New Jersey, from Westchester. I mean, there were so many right. people who live in Queens and they work in Manhattan or New Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll check in with face. I'm so sorry for interrupting, yep. but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, having been on the business end at the New York times and working in the real estate uh, category, both commercial and residential, I can tell you that the second that those towers went down, there was some very s smart, I guess from a business perspective, you know, d detaching emotion from it, which I, I could never do, but they were already like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to, here's, here's, here's our next step on this. We're going to buy up land. We're going to put up buildings. We're going to we're going to redevelop. We're going to do a whole bunch of I mean, stuff. Well, the same stuff is going. I mean, the same concerns are out there right now about Hawaii. You know, that the, that the people that are there now are going to be, you know, all that land is going to be gobbled up with rich people. But, you know, just to just to go hmm. back. I mean, for me personally, for me personally, I will. I will I, it'll. Every 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 September 11th, every September 11th, I, I watch all of the As It Happened TV shows. And in the morning, I watch the reading of the names every year for the past 22 years. I haven't mm. missed one time. Um, really? And I, I cry. And I and mm. I cry in front of my, uh, you know, I cry in front of my daughters. And, you know, it gets me every single time. You know, again, I, the, 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 the firemen, the firemen who were looking up at those buildings and they knew, they knew, they knew, they 300 and, you know, 373 firemen, 363, excuse me for not knowing that number. That's a, that's a real important number. Um, uh, but um, I, I can't go, I can't, I, I still haven't been, nor do I think I have the, uh, I can't go to the 9-11 museum. I would just be a complete wreck. Um, it's just, it's still, I, I purposely, not because I'm a, I'm a glutton for, you know, not, not because I'm a, you know, I, I, I like to bring myself back there. 
um, because I, I want I don't want to forget. I still want it to be as raw as it was that day. Um, because I, you know, it's like people were saying, you know, should September, should September 11th be, should 9-11 be a, a holiday? And I've always said no, because, you know, I don't want, I don't think people should be barbecuing and, you know, just taking it, you know, using it as an excuse to just take a day off or, you know, or, or you know, play golf. Um, as right. a matter of fact, somebody scheduled a meeting uh, on my calendar at work. Uh <laughs> Just today, somebody scheduled a meeting on September 11th, and a part of me was just like, who does that? Like, who does it? It's September 11th. Like, you shouldn't schedule. Don't put anything on my calendar. Don't put anything on my work calendar. It's September 11th. It's just bad luck, you know. If you're superstitious, it's just bad luck. Well, right? But when it hurts, when it's so, when it's so, when it's so, when it's still so. You know, when, you know, it's so deep. I, I don't think, uh, and, and again, I, I, you know, I watched the, I watched as it unfolded, you know, the, the television shows, whether it's the Discovery Channel or whatever. And I, and I watch it with my children and they ask the question, like, you know, it's, you know, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody just take a plane? And, you know, why, you know, to explain that, you know, to your children and, and you know. How old are your daughters? You mentioned you had daughters. Were they alive? No. No, they're... So, so how do they feel about it? They, well, they know about Cousin Ronnie. Uh, and they know okay. that Cousin Ronnie left their cousins, who were six and two, respectively, when he passed away, and saw what their, you know, how their lives changed from that. You know, they, they want to know about it. And... You know, they, their schools, they, 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 you know, they've learned about it through, you know, school. And, you know, when we sit there, there, you know, the times that September 11th falls on a Saturday or a Sunday and we've watched the reading of the names. And now you're seeing the children of some of these firemen and women join the force, you know, and they're reading their father's name who passed away. On September 11th, when I mention, sorry, uh, when I mention the fact that, you know, some beauty comes out of it, you know, hearing the children of fallen firefighters talking about their dad and following in their footsteps and making a difference, you know, that's some of the derivative, if you want to call it beauty, you know, that came out of, you know, one of the worst days, you know, in our country, in our city, in our, in our, in our world's, you know, lifetime. Well, and also, I'll tell you what, then, uh, and maybe we'll end on this, you know, like a lingering impact as a New Yorker is to, to this day, to this year, um, you know, if someone offers tickets, like, like Met tickets on September 11th, there's a thought, like, does somebody try to make a political statement by doing something on that day is some, you know, is somebody going to take advantage of the visibility that, that is here, especially in New York and do something awful again. It's real that, I mean, that, that, you know, 
sort of on that point, before we leave, I did want to ask you guys this question. And if you don't want to answer, just yep. say we decline. But um, and I asked this to uh, the other person I interviewed about the Pentagon. Um, are you satisfied with the findings of the um, uh, the presidential 9-11 commission as presented in their 585 page report? There's been a lot of obviously uh, groups that have disputed those findings. Are you satisfied with them? Disputed in disputed like- the find the conclusions of the report in terms of of okay, here's all these things. How come we don't have any you know um, airport security photos of these guys getting on the plane? You know the controlled demolition video st- evidence, etc., oh, etc. Oh, et oh, oh. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, the the, the only uh, the answer to your question for me is no. The only thing that I've always found no, you're 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 not satisfied no, no, with the report, or you are satisfied with the report. I'm completely satisfied with. Okay, the you're satisfied with the report. The Got only it. thing that I always found interesting or odd is there's not any clear footage of a plane going into the Pentagon. There's never been any video footage of that. Even that. Even that. That's actually I- there is some video footage, but it's not a plane. If you, I mean, there are documentaries because there are. Obviously, cameras all around the Pentagon. Yeah, and what what is going in there doesn't look like an American airline. I've always found yeah. that to be peculiar, but no, I'm I'm not one for conspiracy theory. I I, okay. I would you say that most people in Manhattan sort of buy the establishment uh, thing, or are there people? Or is there a subset of people that are like, no, we think these other uh, alternate. I can tell you that in the 22, almost 22 years since, I've never had one conversation okay. about that. Literally not one. The, the, the question that you just asked is mm-hmm. the first time I've ever heard that. Okay. Or, or been asked that. Let, let me put it that way. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I was just explaining. I mean, by the way, I like to think that I'm well-educated in terms of, you know, hearing all people you know all sides all theories and so but i'm a you know i'm a believer in occam's razor and i was explaining it to somebody else you know occam's razor being that usually the most likely uh you know usually the most likely outcome is the answer um you know i saw everything with my own eyes and this was you know yes to answer your question uh i'm thoroughly i'm thoroughly satisfied with you know the september 11th report but at the same time, too, that's actually something I wanted to touch on, because in terms of getting back to life after September 11th, I remember there was I remember the first time Saturday Night Live came back. Right. Mm. And people were asking, like, how soon how soon is it like that we allow ourselves to laugh afterwards, you know, and like even the first time Saturday Night Live came back or or baseball came back you know you always asked yourself you know can we laugh again is it okay to play sports um and all of that you know my brother and i you know we were raised that laughter you know even when you're trying to hide you know pain at least that's the way i am you know you have to be able to laugh 
at everything and even sometimes you know tragedy like there's there's, there's nothing funny about september 11th um or the holocaust or nazis um but a big part of the healing thanks robin thanks for the incredulous look but but the point i'm trying to make is, you know you know the, the point i'm trying to you know obviously the producers make, and, was pretty funny what the producers was pretty funny well well right but the, the, the thing is you know Laughter is the best form of medicine and, and, and healing is, is the point that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to make. Thanks, Ed. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate your offering your uh, uh, your recollections and insights and everything else. And I'm sure uh, there'll be a lot of people among our listeners that will appreciate it. So thank you again, gentlemen. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks you, a lot. Thank you. We want to thank Jason and Rob for sharing their remembrances on this sad anniversary. Part 2, featuring the Pentagon side of the story and a returning popular guest, Joe Duffus, will be coming soon. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the survivors, family, and friends of those who were lost that morning 22 years ago. We also want to remember the first responders and site workers that, due to poor protection, became very sick and even died in the months that followed. If you like our work, we'd be honored if you subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite podcast platform and share it with your friends. You can reach us online at ScandalSheetPod.com, Facebook or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at ScandalSheetPod.com. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2023. Thad Helsley Media LLC. All rights reserved.